0: Well, hey, how many guys can guess the title of this uh, lesson tonight? Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Yes, Bobby. The role of wife. Give it for Bobby. This Again, I'm glad you're on the front row. Woo-hoo! Man, this is great. And apparently you can read. That's awesome. That's a double bonus. But anyway, that's right. The role of the woman, wife, and mother. Why are we dealing with this? Because that's the chapter, Byron. Good question. Well, we had dealt with the guy, so now it's a lady's turn we saw. And we saw the, uh, uh, the first time was, uh, what is our standard for womanhood? Okay. That's the challenge, isn't it? Who makes the standard? Well, the woman apparently I'll just look over here, Robert. I won't mess with that and touch it with a 10-foot pole. Uh, Womanhood, and that we saw, hey, it's not yourself. It's not society. It certainly isn't spiritual feminism because it's spiritual. It's behind the feminist movement. And that's what got all things messed up, okay? And we gotta get back to what makes for a godly woman, certainly wife and mother. Top of page 168, we saw, well, if you're gonna be that woman, then you need to have a characteristic, something incredible called godliness, okay? And that needs to be your focus, is godliness. You wanna be God's woman? then. Be full of God, okay, uh, is the aspect. Don't be so concerned about the outside, you need to be concerned about the inside. That is, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, the other thing is you need to have a concern also for your family, okay? Don't leave them in the dust, okay? It's not uh, the, the selfish, uh, self-centered message that is being promoted today and pretty much anybody by and large. And then where we left off last time is also your attitude, and I would say even this word, your attitude, ladies, as well as your speech. Okay, and the Bible's very clear that if you want to be considered precious in the eyes of your family, your husband, your children, and get this, in the eyes of God, then your attitude and your speech as a godly woman uh, needs to be something called this, gentle. Okay, uh, a gentle, quiet uh, spirit and attitude. Now, you look at, I know, it's rough, isn't it? And, uh, but, but you look at the, the role models, if you will. Now, let's define role models, okay? The role models, this is the, the, the theme of this, right? The role of the woman, wife, mother. And of course, the role model, what's the pattern for us to follow is the scripture. That's the correct answer. That's what we say in our doctrinal statement, that it's the Bible is the final rule for our faith and practice. It's just, we don't practice that, okay? Now, the role models for this, unfortunately, should be the Bible, but it's not. Okay, typically what I've learned in the Christian community is you're supposed to do what the Bible says. We'll even say that. But when push comes to shove, what formulates your belief system is, number one, is the society. Okay, and what will help formulate that in for them, for you, not the scripture, is the secular educational system. Okay, long gone, we got prayer, we got Bible completely taken out of the school system, and now it's all secular ideals. It's feminist ideals, it's ecumenical ideals, one more religion ideals, it's all that kind of stuff is where a lot of people shape their ideals of what it means to be a woman, and a man, and a child, and everything else. Society's the other one. The biggest other one, I would say, is the media. You look at the media today, and if you guys know that, I would say probably what, 98% of sitcoms, they promote this gentle, quiet spirit of a woman slap my hand for lying uh yeah well that's a problem but well, guess what and people say oh that doesn't affect me you know the watching that's just entertainment are you kidding me they do these things called commercials have you seen them you know how much they spend every year on commercials last stat and i think this is old i think it's more than that not two million it's two billion every year on advertising now So logically that you can conclude, I would say, Uh, then wait a second, these guys either have a ton of cash to waste because it doesn't affect us. Or listen, they know that they're making a wise investment for their agenda, which is to shape your thinking pattern and buying habits and your belief system, including what you buy, okay? They're not just gonna make their two billion back, they're gonna make a profit. It does, and they laugh all the way to the bank. I wish I had time to expose that. I mean, I've done some serious research on that. It's just a little pet peeve of mine, of how the the media system is, is now the educational system in our country, and it's brainwashing people. Okay, and of course it's anti-God. So I would say that that's the rule. That's what's being defined. A society does it. Media does it. And, and then I would say, of course, just your peer pressure or friends, which which is your peer pressure and friends, if they're not as Christians, following the Bible because it might be Christians. If they're not following the Bible, then they're with that, and it just kind of creates this vicious cycle. So, that by and large is where it's coming from, okay, and it's not promoting this. And I, 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 I man, back in New York, I always had these. Uh, I remember the, the uh, teenagers would come up to me and go, oh, Pastor Billy, why is it that these guys, no guys, where's the knight in shining armor? Where's the guy that, you know, is, is uh, uh, treating us like a, a princess and all that stuff? I said, well, I mean, we've talked about this before. I said, well, how are you training them? What's your role model? So when you come into the doors of the church sanctuary and there's a guy there, your boyfriend or whoever is there with you, do you stand there until he opens it up for you? Well, no, I said, why not? Right, when you get into the car, do you sit there until he gets around and he opens the car door for you? Why not? When you go out to eat, do you make him pay? Why not? Where's the chivalry gone? Because you have been conditioned by feminism to knock it out of the guy. Guys aren't really that hard. If you tell us by and large what you'd like, we'll most of the time do it. But if you lower your standard, ladies, and want to be treated just like a man, we'll treat you that way. Now, two wrongs don't make a right. I'm not condoning that, but I'm telling you it's because of this influx. If you want to get that back, then not just guys got to get back to being that spiritual leader, okay? But ladies, you got to help us too, okay? Fulfill that role, okay? And, uh, but uh, the other thing, too, is a man, we're going to get to this. Uh, this, I'll tell you, most men, ladies, is very, gosh, can I draw that? Very attractive to a guy, okay? The ladies out there with the shotguns blowing guys' heads off, and, oh, you know, the Roseanne bars, and nah, nah. Most guys, we really don't really, you know, whatever. And if you end up with some situation like that, usually that's where the guy does this. He clams up, Right? And it just, you know, just coexist, okay? A gentle and quiet spirit is what we talk about. Now, towards the middle of the page is where we left off. Let's start where it says, meek and quiet go together. Okay, meek and quiet go together. The doubling intensifies the virtue, okay? This meekness is always quiet, okay? I wanna be that godly woman. I wanna be that godly wife. I wanna be that godly mom. I, I wanna be somebody that, that God says, whoa, there's my Christian whoa man. There's a great example for me, whoa, yeah. Always. Quiet. Loudness, intemperate, irate speech and action are foreign to it. A steady, balanced strength keeps it on an even keel. Now, as we saw before, meekness does not equate with weakness. It's the same word of Jesus when He says He is meek. Okay, lowly and humbled heart. Okay, and that He demonstrated that meekness. It's subdued strength. Jesus demonstrated the meekness when He was on the cross, and He could have called ten thousand upon ten thousand angels and nuked the whole planet, and He said, No, I'll subdue that for the higher purpose. That's what's used here. It doesn't mean weakness. Such, listen, such a cr- Christian wife, listen, underline this word, is a treasure. Such a Christian wife is a treasure for any husband. And I add this in my note, and a pleasure to Almighty God. Because you're being the woman that you're called to be. As we saw with men, sometimes we struggle with fulfilling that role as being that leader, that spiritual leader, that godly leader. Not the selfish leader, not the tyrant leader, but that that's kind of our curse to bear, so to speak, that we we don't always fulfill that role. Ladies, this is what God has called you to do in your role. And it's sometimes a struggle, just like what the guys, what they got to deal with, right? But that's what it is. That's what we need to get back to, okay? When a heathen husband, listen to this, sees that by uh, conversion, his wife is changed from vanity, love display, meaning it's all just about the externals, okay? and other feminine vices to the true beauty of a new spirit, he must surely be drawn to a religion that is able to produce such wonders of grace. God regards such virtue and conduct as uh, a and and not polytellus, polytellus, and valuable indeed. In order to produce this inner spiritual excellence and beauty in every wife uh, and woman, he sends us his word and spirit. Now that's the issue. It's, It's a struggle in our old nature, of course. If we could do it, then why did Jesus need to come? He gives us his spirit. As we talked before in other chapters that when we learn to walk, live and keep in step the spirit, he not only gives us his spirit as his deposit, his guarantee that when we all are getting to heaven, yay, praise God for that. But he's there to give you the ability to do what God says. He's even done that for us, isn't that amazing? Okay, so if you think it's mission impossible, ladies, uh, or guys, and what we have to do, uh, it is possible. You just need to learn to walk and live and keep your step with God's Spirit. Now, turning your Bibles there, because I want to expand on this passage here. First Peter chapter 3. And, and what we're going to see, and I'm going to bring up two passages. And I say, uh, This is a treasure to any husband. This attitude, this quiet, this, this meekness, uh, it's a pleasure to God. And you're going to see, ladies, that this is so powerful. If you could just pull off this one aspect of the attitude and the speech, this gentle and quiet spirit. What you're going to see is, believe it or not, listen, it has the, it's such a powerful thing. It's not just being obedient to God. Of course, that's number one. Okay, it's such a powerful thing that, listen, somebody could get saved as a result of it. We'll see that in a second. And somebody, in the negative sense, could be disqualified for leadership if you don't have it. It's very, very powerful. Let's take a look at that first passage, 1 Peter chapter three, okay? And uh, take a look there at um, uh, verse one through six. 1 Peter chapter three, here's what he says. Now, wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husband, well, why? Well, so that if any of them do not believe the word. So what's that mean? So this is a situation where she finds herself. She wasn't a Christian. She's married. Uh, her, neither her nor her husband apparently were a Christian because this isn't condoning, get unequally yoked, that you can marry a non-Christian. Don't do that, please. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Say stories of that uh, and it's violating scripture. Uh, so the context is apparently uh, they weren't saved. She got saved. And listen to what he says. It's not just a uh, Christian husband's. He says this, he says now, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior, not your mouth, by the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty, listen, should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, that's not your focus, okay? Um, you know. Not against it, but that's not your focus primarily, okay? Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a what? Gentle and quiet spirit. Listen, listen, this is a convicting thing. How? I tread lightly. I know some of you ladies here, okay? But sometimes, how long does it take to put on the makeup? and the preacher was really getting the eye. Okay, so it could take a while, right? right? Anybody, guys, glad that you don't have to mess with that? Okay, but anyway, he so sometimes it can take a while. Some ladies take longer than others and whatever. In fact, some ladies should be driving down the road and they're still putting it on driving down the road, right? I mean, it's a long process. And can I translate this for you? Peter says, you wanna be God's woman? You wanna be a powerful witness to your unsaved husband? Don't nag the guy to death. You spend at least as much time as you put on your external makeup working on this internal makeup called a gentle and quiet spirit. What kind of a witness would that be? Whoa. See, the world's done a masterful job, ladies, of getting you design. It's all about the external, isn't it? And God says, no, it's not. We're gonna see Lord willing Sunday in the next study, the marriage study. Uh, yeah, you could start out, you know, looking pretty... Snazzy man, woman, right? Given enough time, you're, you're going to change. <laughs> okay, it's going to happen. No amount of makeup is going to fix it at a certain point, okay? And uh, even operations, it's just, it's just still, still going to crumb down, okay? And so, so God says, listen, listen. But the inside, that's what you should focus on, okay? But listen to what he says. He says, listen, that's your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is what? Oh, Pastor Billy, I want to be God's woman. I want, to, I want to impress him. I want to show him how much I love him. I want. To, then do this. Because it says there, man, this is, this is what? This is great worth. Not just worth. This is great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy woman. not just women, the ladies who were considered, that's a, that's a holy woman. You ever meet some of those ladies once in a while? In the church? That's just like, man, do they know Jesus personally? They got his hotline, his number? You know, it's just, man, they just eat, they ooze of this spiritual depth. Holy woman. Well, well how, how'd they get that? Why would they be considered a holy women of the past who put, them, uh, put their hope in God and used to make themselves beautiful? Whoa. So it's the inside that God considers the true beauty, right? And he says, they were submissive to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her what? Now, we did this last time and I didn't get much of a response. Let's try it again for round two. La- ladies, if you're here and your husband's here, go ahead and turn to him and say, Yes, Master. <laughs> Not one person did, man. Worse than last time. Okay. No, but that's the attitude, though, is, and if we get that far, but that's the respect that God wants you to give your husband. He's like the president, he's like the general, he's like the king. You wanna be treated like that princess? Hey, flip it around too, ladies. Treat your husband like a king. Give him that level of respect, okay? Maybe don't use the word master, okay? But give him that same kind of respect is what he's talking about. That's the holy woman, uh, and you are her daughters if you do what is right and don't give way to fear. Now, that's a whole nother aspect if we can get that far. That's the challenge, isn't it? Well, I'm afraid, what if he doesn't do it? What if he doesn't do it right? Or what if he leads me? In what? Listen, you just trust God. I've said this before to ladies, I said, listen, if God has called the man to lead, and he has, don't you think God can give him the wisdom to lead? You don't shove him out of the way and take the lead. You go to God to begin to plead. You intercede for him. You pray. You respect him. You support him. You encourage him to be that leader. And ladies, I'm telling you, when a man knows that his woman has his back and she is willing to follow, even though inside we may not tell you, we're a little bit scared, especially if we're doing it after we haven't been doing it for a long time, it really helps us out a lot, okay? Okay. Okay, so, anyway, so let's continue on. Now, that's just, it's so powerful. Listen to this, if you just work on that inner makeup, if you spend that much time working on this inner makeup, you're not only considered a holy woman of, of old, you're not only something of great worth in God's sight. But what do he say there? That is a powerful witness. Your unsaved husband, just by doing that, of seeing you being that supportive, gentle, quiet woman, might save his soul. That's pretty powerful. How many ladies find themselves in an unequally yoked position and they think it's going to be by all this that the man's going to get saved? When God says, listen, when he sees your hearts transformed, he's going to say, wow, this Christianity must be real because, wow, this is amazing, right? Second thing is you could, dis- you could disqualify your husband for leadership. Uh, turn your Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is wild, wish we had time to bust down the Greek a lot, but let's just take a look at it. 1 Timothy 3. As we go there, of course, First Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus are called the pastorals uh, in theologic terms. Uh, and, uh, but uh, good, good uh, guidelines for church leadership. Pastors, elders, uh, and, and deacons, of course. And, uh, but in the qualifications, as we're gonna see, uh, you also gotta not only personally as an elder or a deacon, uh, have your own walk in line, but you need to have your household in line. Uh, that includes your wife, okay, is what Paul says, let's take a look there. First uh, Timothy chapter three, Paul's talking about these, uh, this litmus test, and uh, let's just start with verse eight, he says, now deacons likewise are to be men worthy of what? Respect, so if you want people to respect you, what do you gotta do? Force it, no, you earn it, okay, by the way you live. Okay, but you're worthy of that respect. Sincere, not indulging in much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain that must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. What's that mean? You need to be a disciple. You need to know the scripture, the deep things. You need to get beyond the superficial. You need to have that training, that ability to rightly decide uh, and decipher the word of God, okay? He says, they must first be tested and then if there is nothing against them, then let them serve as deacons. But, Something else could disqualify them, though. He says in the same way, meaning in the same vein, as we'll continue on with the qualifications, he said their wives are to be women who are also what? Worthy of respect. Listen, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in how much? Everything. Now here's what's wild. That word there, malicious talkers, at least in that <laughs> translation, is the Greek word, this is wild. Wait till you see this one. Diabolos. Anybody know what we get from the Greek word diabolos from? Devil. So if you ladies go around and you act like a little devil, and it literally means in the Greek there, a one who sides with the devil. It means accusa- the devil's the great accuser. It means he's the accuser. He's a little, uh, she's acting like a little devil. She's going around, some translations, and I think this is true too, uh, is going around slandering going around with malicious and and doing all this stuff. He might be an on fire great. he, He lines up to everything. He's got it going. His wife, if she doesn't have this gentle, quiet spirit, instead her spirit is to go out there and do all this stuff. You're disqualified, bud. Love to have you. You're great, but you need to get your house in order. Your wife blew it for you. So that just this one aspect, this gentle and quiet spirit—not this verbose, this Roseanne Barr thing—and oh, I'm going to prove I can be just like a man. Told all that stuff. Maybe that's why your non-Christian husband's not getting saved. You ever think of that? The price you're paying. Maybe that's why your husband, even a Christian husband, keeps getting picked over for leadership because you're blowing it for him. Okay. Very, very important. Now listen to what he says here. Such a, a spirit, ladies, is precious. I love that word. It's precious in the sight of God. That's the word, us, uh, which means very valuable. Not just valuable, very valuable or very costly. It's used in Mark 13, listen to this, of the pure nard contained in the alabaster vial which the woman used to anoint Christ's head at the home of Simon the leper. Do you recall that account? What made that so amazing when she did that? Incredibly valuable. And that's what God's saying. Listen, listen, you can sit here and, and say all you want, do it, But if you want to listen, pour on my feet as a godly Christian woman, you want to show me, like this woman, something valuable as an act of worship, then have this gentle and quiet spirit. That's what you're pouring out for me. Isn't that wild? Very, very convicting. As you see there, as Peter points out, this adorning is the result of the Christian women ultimately putting their hope in God, is your first blank. (laughs) We made it a blank. (laughs) Patrick, I know it tears me up too, buddy. I just, I don't have any tissue that way. (laughs) Putting their hope in God, okay? Not their husbands. Now, why is that important? Well, there's that aspect too. But you know, ladies, sometimes we're gonna make mistakes, aren't we? Sometimes we're gonna do, sometimes just like yourself, you're not always gonna do it perfect. Sometimes we're going to let you down. Sometimes we'll make a decision for the household, but it's a selfish one. Or sometimes we're more committed to the lazy boy than we are to leading the family. And we can, we can have that, okay? And so you're going to doubt us. But that's the aspect. That's why he says, don't put, you know, put, your, put your hope in God, okay? Don't be afraid. Trust. Do it God's way, and he will bless his way. God blesses obedience. God does not bless disobedience. And can I tell you something? Half obedience is still disobedient. Don't believe me as king Saul right he found out he he did most of what God said he was supposed to do what's that noise I hear oh but but, it's for good for good lost your kingship buddy and then he further disobeyed God and he actually sought a medium sought out a medium instead of God he sought out somebody in the occult for direction now he lost his life it's over Half obedience is still disobedience. So you put your hope in God. Trust that God will bless his way. God blesses obedience, not in your husband. When the husband is unworthy, the Christian woman strives to maintain this godly character because her ultimate desire is to what? Please God, not prove herself better than the man. Oh, I can do do it better than he can. That's not the attitude that is precious in God's sight. As we're gonna see, if we ever get that far, that must be our next news statement, if we ever get that far. Let's compose a song, shall we, if we never get that far. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's not an issue of inferiority, okay? It's just a different function and roles. That's it. Okay, we talked about that before. John MacArthur writes, he says, the scriptures exhort women to adorn themselves in godliness with a gentle and quiet spirit. Now, this does not mean that wives are just to vegetate and never get, and offer an opinion, It does uh, does mean that they understand that God expects them to be humble and still. That is the beauty and strength of a woman. And her opinions, her confrontations, her teaching offered to her husband rises from such beauty and strength. Ladies, let me give you a little guy secret. When you come into us in our face and say, you need to do it this way. And I told you, you got blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying two wrongs make a right, but a guy's just gonna excuse me. You know why? Your greatest need, by and large, is a sense of security, and that security oftentimes is filled when the man does what he's called to do—the peanut butter and lead—and lead in a godly fashion. A man's greatest respect uh, or greatest need is respect. Okay, and one of the biggest ways you can disrespect us is with your mouth and we come at us at full frontal force, and you tell us, and you know, we just really don't receive it very well. I'll just put it that way. But if you come to us. In this gentle and quiet spirit, by and large, and you continue in that just for 30 seconds, and if we start to share, maybe we disagree, then you start getting, ah. trust God, do it his way, you'll usually get a better response. Okay? With the, with this stuff. But again, that's that's the, the aspect is the man is he leading, God leading, it, it's just it's issue. And, and this I, I call it missing in the night in marriage counseling. Okay. Uh, sometimes couples, you know, they'll, they'll come to me in counseling and they'll do this. They'll sit there and they'll finally get to counseling. First, it's always a challenge to get both of them to come for some reason. And then if you finally get them there, they're sitting there in front of you and their attitudes are like this, fix them. And my biggest challenge in the counseling is to like, it's both of you. Because <laughs> it's always two, right? It's always two, always. But that's the little game we play. We want to justify our side and whatever, blah, blah. blah. Okay, but I call it missing the night. And what happens is finally one, one spouse gets it. It's like, you know what? I have not been that godly leader. You're absolutely right. I've been very selfish in my decisions. I've, I've just been leaving my family in the, in the dust. I really don't care. I don't spend time. I don't, I'm not a spiritual leader. And I, I, I get it, Pastor, Bill, I get it. And so that, uh, the husband starts to go in that direction. Well, the wife says, oh, you know, see, he needs to be fixed. I'm perfectly fine. I don't need to do nothing. I don't need to adjust nothing. And so he's going here. Well, what happens is he'll run with that new attitude, which is right. For a couple months, three months, whatever. Well, then she's in doing nothing. So he gets disgruntled and he goes back here. Well, she sees him getting disgruntled, so guess what she does? And she kicks it into gear. Oh man, I guess all right. I'll be that gentle and quiet spirit. I'll respect him more. I'll be an encourager. I won't shred my part with my mouth and whatever. And the, so she starts going whatever. But he's so s- s- disgruntled now after working all that time, and she didn't do squat. And then what? And then it goes like this. And I call it missing each other in the night. The breakthroughs come when both do it at the same time. That's when you experience the benefit. And that's the challenge. But listen, if your spouse doesn't do it, and we just saw the text here, even in a non-Christian household, the, the, the guy wasn't even saved. Does that mean that you don't do it? You do it anyway. Why? Because your hope is in God. You're doing it God's way. God blesses obedience. You do it regardless. Okay? And you keep doing it and trust that God will move uh, in the situation. He says, and and, and so when you do that, he says, a woman who through a spirit-filled life maintains such God-ordained character is invaluable to the Christian family and the church of Jesus Christ. Okay, your next blank, their character. Okay, it's such a woman that Solomon states this, an excellent wife who can find. Now just right there, what is he implying? Apparently can't even get it at Walmart. You know, it's not even... It's just, yeah, and I don't you know if he can get a little anyway. But he's complaining, hey, this is a rarity, unfortunately. Okay? For her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also. And he praises her, saying, man, many daughters have, have done nobly, but man, you excel them all. Hey, ladies, you want to hear that from your husband? And the crickets... Thank you, Bobby. <laughs> Praise God. You're awesome, man. We didn't even pay you for this. This is great. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, that'd be cool. Then here, here's what, she, what he says. He says, but you excel in all. Charm is deceitful. Listen, exter- we saw before, if a barn needs paint, paint the thing. I'm not against that. Neither is he, apparently. Okay, I'm not saying that. But by and large, he said, uh, you can have that external charm, whatever, you know, he, you can work on the outside. He said, but it's deceitful. But this inner beauty stuff that God wants you to be, Okay, He says, uh, beauty, the beauty is in vain, but the woman who fears the Lord, so shall she be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Okay, So that's just in general, uh, in uh, core issues, ladies, that if you want to be that godly woman, that godly wife and that godly mother, that's the things you need to focus on by and large. Right? Now let's get specific and, and to say, well, what happens when she does this uh, in society? Is there any side effect? Is there any benefit, not just for yourself and certainly your family, we'll get to that in a little bit. But what about society? Well, as we saw, it's the same thing with guys. It says right here, 169, halfway down, the Christian woman should be leading the way in society by her godly example. But again, what's the example today leading the way for women? Complete opposite. And it's so awesome, guys, to know That is the church of Jesus Christ, not just Sunrise, but all the churches across America, not one of us are infected with society's attitudes, and it infects everything, doesn't it? Okay, that's what we said before, we have to lead the way back by example, okay? Uh, Like the man, she is called to be on the salt and light of the world. She does this by the exhibition of her godly character that we just discussed. Solomon writes, her work shall praise her in the where? the gates. In other words, that's in the community in which she lives. will praise her for her valuable contribution, right? I don't remember that lady, but I tell you what, I had one in my neighborhood before I was even saved, okay? It was the, the, the B family. We lived in California for a little bit and then moved back to Kansas. I was born in Kansas, California, went back to Kansas, Nebraska, Kansas, back to California. Anyway, now you know my whole life, Okay, But, uh, uh, and my parents, obviously, non-church family and and, and non-Christian, obviously, and, and, uh, but next door was a godly family, the B family. And you know what they did? Okay, yeah, that too, possibly. Uh, But uh, what they did was, they uh, invited, apparently, my parents to church, they didn't want to go, but my parents having four kids, right, and, uh, and uh, how many guys can guess that I was one of them? Praise God you're waking up now. Okay, and uh, four kids, and so they offered, went out of their way, and said, uh, Would, can we take your kids to church services with us? Right? My parents did. Hey, they got some free babysitting out of the deal, right? Now, listen, listen to what happened. This, this, this one godly, and I say, with, with the woman here in the context, I, I don't know about the, I don't, I don't really remember, my, just more of my siblings tell me what they did for us, because I was about four or five at the time, I don't really recall too much, but they took us to Sunday school. Right, and uh, I, I don't remember much of it, but and, and I, it sounds like my other two siblings really didn't make much of an impact, but my oldest sister, Terry, who was 10 at the time, made an impact on her. Now, she wasn't saved, but by that exposure of that godly folks in our neighborhood who went out of the way, okay, when my sister became 25, she said even growing up, even non-Christian, she'd always be singing songs to God not having a relationship with him, but her exposure to Sunday school for that short period of time uh, gave her that acknowledge that there was at least a God. And she began to cry out to him as a non-Christian girl growing up when life really started to go down the tubes. When she was 25, she got saved, okay? And then she began to pray for the rest of her family. And then I came to the Lord. And then my sister, other sister came to the Lord. Then my brother came to the Lord all in the same year. But do you know where it all started from? Somebody in our neighborhood had a godly character. Okay. And it, well, it was a woman. And she went out of the way to take us to Sunday school. And I don't know if to this day she she has, I don't even know if she's alive here on earth. And I don't think she'll, maybe God's shown her that one investment in that one neighborhood what it's done. And all four of us kids now are active in ministry. One godly woman doing it god's way who else does she touch that's just us and then god uses us and then on and do, do you see why god used this word <clears throat>, paula tell us precious
1: very
0: valuable oh you can go out there and make a million bucks and prove that you can rise the corporate ladder just like a guy you want to impress god you want to be precious in his sight be that woman Change your neighborhood for Jesus Christ, okay? And, and anyway, so let's continue on. In other words, the community in which she lives will praise her for her valuable contribution. She is to remain sexually pure by fleeing immorality in thought and deed, she is to be in subjection to the human government by obeying the laws, paying her taxes, praying for the leaders, being involved in the voting process. In addition, the Christian woman should be actively sharing her faith in word and deed and allowing the Holy Spirit to produce his character in her life. Again, you walk and live and keep in step with the spirit. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. All right, now let's take a look. That's society. That's kind of uh, like we did with the guy. It's a profound witness, okay, obviously. Make an impact, all right? But let's take a look at the family and what kind of impact this will make, ladies, on your family, if God uh, has given you one. The God-given role of the woman in marriage has been, underlying these two words, much maligned. Okay, society's messed it up, can I tell you that? It's all messed up and it's messed up in the church. And the church is actually rewriting doctrine slash the Bible to fulfill, uh, fulfill the wrong definition of uh, uh, the role of the woman, and just even men or family in general. Much maligned in our secular society. Listen, the lies, I love this, satanically controlled culture. Ultimately, all lies, including the lies of feminism, including the lies of how you should not be ladies or men or whatever role in the Christian household, ultimately, who is spawning those lies? Who's the father of them? Satan. That's why I like this word, because that's kind of like a wake-up call. It's like, well, it's just a worldview. <laughs> it's Satan's view, and you're eating it up. Okay, call it worldview. you want. It's either biblical or it's satanic. Okay, let's call it for what it is. Satanically con- controlled culture has been voiced so often and so loud. Why? Because if you repeat a lie loud enough, long enough, and often enough, people will believe it. And, and it seems to be the more obtuse, the more they'll even believe that. Okay, that's that's, dictators do that all the time. Uh, Okay, so often, so loud, that even the Christian community has been massively influenced by them. But what does the Bible say about the role of women in the family? Now, we discussed this in a previous chapter, and there we saw, according to God's creation uh, design, Uh, The man and woman are, of course, both equal image bearers, top of page 170 of God. They're both called on to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. They're both called on to rule over the rest of creation. Uh, But we also know that one, man's headship, man's headship is clear. Two, woman is created as man's equal in nature, but functionally different. We say this before, but this is where I really think the rub is. Uh, feminism has come in and said, well, somehow this is inferior. Why does he get to lead? How come you don't get to be the leader? Well, because he's just fulfilling the role that God's called him to fulfill. Well, how come you don't get to do it? How come you have to do that? Well, first of all, you just denigrated that, and that is very precious in God's sight. So what did you just say about God? Second of all, it has nothing to do with, well, that's better, this is less. They're equally valuable. They're just different, okay? And that's what we saw with the leader. Well, he gets the lead. So, we saw that before. Hey, hey, it's football season. Let's use this analogy. Hey, how well does that team go when they have two quarterbacks out on the field, huh? In fact, if you have a quarterback on the sideline that's wanting to itch to get in some people think you should get in, what do they call that? <gasps> a quarterback controversy, right? Why? Because you got one guy with he, if leading, but no, they should lead, and then he and then lead, and the one quarterback. He's the guy. Okay, and the rest of the team stands around and goes, "I'm not doing that. I'm not taking that route. What are you nuts? I'm going over here. You loser. What do you think? What do you think I am? Inferior? Who made you to make me the right guard? What? I don't want to be a tight end, dude. I want to be a fullback. Who are you thinking? How? How would they ever win? No. It's the same thing. It's just different. Everybody's valuable on the team. There's different functions. Whoop-de-doo. Since when did that become a crime? One person's got to do this. Another person's got to do this. And it's the same thing in the team in the house called the husband and the wife. One's got to do this function. One's got to do this function. You leave it alone. It works awesome. You can actually score a touchdown once in a while. Okay. It's not an inferiority issue. The headship's clear. Okay, their roles, he continues on, uh, three, blend together and coexist in perfect oneness and unity, a perfect complementary relationship. Now that's a big word, I'll give you some time to spell that out. It's so big it didn't even fit in my space, I had to go over the words. Hey, you like that side effects? And Bobby didn't even help out with that one. All right, complementary relationship, what's that? That's our analogy we've been saying, Complementary. He's the peanut butter, you're the jelly put them babies together, you got something even better. That's all it is. You just do the peanut butter. She just does the jelly. Make something complimentary. It's awesome, okay? It's not bad. It's good, okay, is what he says. The, the wife's greatest contribution to society. Now, underline that. I mean, who wouldn't want to have that desire? Oh, God. God, thank you for saving me, and thank you, uh, for you know, uh, rescue me from hell, and and thank you for empowering me by your spirit uh, to live a godly life for you, and and I just want to know God, uh, time. What, what what do you tell us in the scripture that what is life? It's a vapor, it's a wisp, it's it's here today, gone tomorrow, and the span of eternity is so short. All you get in life is you get a little bitty uh, a dash between two dates. It. I had a preach on it. Was, so what am I doing with my dad? She's just little. just here today. he has gone tomorrow. And it's just, so I got this one time. And God, I, I just need to know how can I make the greatest contribution to our world? What's it say next? Support your husband. What? I need to go out there and I got to prove it. Do you see how far off track we are? And the very mention, the very mentioning of that, certain people, probably would accuse me as a pastor, and I'm just quoting scripture, as being sexist in the church. That's how deep it's gotten. That's how far off track we are. One of the things that I used to, uh, men's conference, I won't mention the name of the conference, but years back, Sacramento days, went to it. And uh, um, sometimes they talk about, in these conferences, about men and women, Christian men and women. And the role of men and women, right? And they get up there, and man, when it was the guys' turn, they would rip us uh, big time. I mean, they would lay it on the line, and you, you do this, and they fire and brimstone. That's hey, we need to hear that. I'm not against that, but what used to bug me. And the last time I was there, and Brandy was there, I had to grab the seats there, and totally wimped out when it came to the ladies. I just, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And literally almost just like moved on. It's like, ooh, I'm sitting here. Here you have a perfect opportunities. Guys, we need to be ripped into. But how are you doing those ladies any favor when they're just as infected with Satan's lies as we men are and we're negligent in our roles, but you won't have the guts when you had an opportunity to make an impact on these ladies to do it God's way, not just for the benefit of them, but for their husbands as well, and you wimp out. We have to be able to speak up. And I'm telling you, one of these, these topics today, I'll probably get emails once this starts going out uh, on this womanhood. And I'm talking Christians. Because I, this is just Bible. What are we quoting? What, what are we quoting that's not from the Scripture? This is Scripture. But it's so bad. And people will not speak up in the church, ladies, to your own detriment. You want to be holy women. You want to be God's women. You want to be precious in their sight. You want to make an impact on your culture. Here it is. And now we're the bad guy for saying that? It's crazy, okay? He says your greatest contribution to society is to support your husband. Continues on. Through maintaining the home, Proverbs 31. And this especially through nurturing and rearing godly children. Now Lord willing, we'll get to this. Maybe, it's another song. <laughs> Nothing more than maybe, if we ever get there. Through, through, through nurturing and rearing godly children. Why do you think that would be important? Why do you think that the author here would say biblically, ladies, this is one of your greatest contributions to society is to be a part of that process of nurturing and rearing godly children they're the next generation. That's right, Sonia, give it up for Sonia. Yeah, they're the next generation, hello. We all sit here and we pray up a storm, right? Oh God, please, the next generation. I hope they really get it with you and they, that we can pass the torch and whatever. Who is raising the next generation? The world is. The world is. How are they doing it? Secular education, secular media. We're not doing it. Who is, by and large, defining the roles and the behavior patterns and the social abilities of children today? Television, big time, and the school system that has now become, can we just deal with this, ungodly and anti-Christian hey, if anything, you've got to be a part of the process, man. You have to stave off what's going on, right? And so they are shaping. I think one guy said, he says, listen, why'd you have kids in the first place then? Why'd you have them? I mean, don't you want to be the one? Don't you want to be there when your child says their first word? You want to pass that off over to somebody else? Don't you want to be that person? Don't you want to be the one there when they take their first step? Don't you want to be there to teach them about God's way? Why would we relinquish that? What happened? Where do we get off track? And why, when we point the way back, we're the bad guy? I think I'm convinced oftentimes us as Christians... We 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 quick to pray for revival, but we refuse to do what it takes for revival to take place. It's called sacrifice. It's called admitting you know what I got snookered. You know what I need to make some adjustments in the way I live. You know what I got to make some hard decisions. I got to own up to this fact. I got to get back on God's way. I got to start invest. I I I, I God. Man, this was one. I remember a guy in, in, in uh, Bible college, and we'll finish out with this, in Bible college, and he, he said uh, God had called him to ministry, uh, him and his wife. And, uh, but uh, he, he followed the American dream, right? He got a job, she got a job, and they got a house, but that wasn't big enough, so they got a bigger house. And they had another car, but they needed another car, but then they needed another truck on top of that because they had to have the boat. And, and you know, just, just, things aren't wrong unless they become your God, and that's what happened in this case. And it just kept going on and on and on. And finally, the call of God on his heart, they were just busy living the American dream. Can I tell you something? That's not God's dream. Okay, can we deal with that one too? God's dream is not for us to exist like this, that you exist to get a good job, and and a good job is one in which you earn a lot of money. And the reason why you want to earn a lot of money is so you can buy things you don't need to impress people you don't know who in the end, don't even seek and care. That's not what he saved us for. And so they're busy living this whole American dream. They got all this stuff and now they, gotta, they have to work jobs. Now they're having to work double overtime jobs to pay for all this stuff because now they're in massive major mega debt and God finally got a grip on the man's heart and says, I called you to ministry. But now you're in slavery and he says, I can't. He says, yes, you can. You're just going to have to change. And you know what that guy did? With tears, I remember him giving his testimony there that first semester when he showed up in, in Bible college. And he says, with tears, I had to sell the boat. With tears, I had to sell the truck. With tears, I had to get us down to one car. With tears, I had to sell that boat I really didn't need. And it got down to something more economical. With tears, we had to let this stuff go. He says, and what hurt me was not only I was running from a calling from God, but I began to realize if I wouldn't have gone down that route in the first place, it never would have hurt so much. And we get snookered. And it's so easy to fall in that trap, guys. And the next thing you know, you wake up dead. And has anybody learned that you're going to be dead a lot longer than you're alive? <laughs> I'm trying to make it the last thing I do, personally, Tom. Okay, what are we doing this side? Do we have to make adjustments to do what God's called us to do for that next generation Uh, in fact it is for this role that God specially designed the woman God's original design for the woman is that she be a suitable helper for the man she was not to be the head but the helper thus when a man allowed woman to usurp his headship in the garden part of the curse came upon her involved the biological aspect that's your last blank there biological aspect for which God created her that of bearing the children and she got the increase of pain associated with that Lord willing next week we'll pick up with the woman as the wife huh that's a neat Greek word. It's called gune. Gune. Okay, I, well, yeah. well, I'm glad you're not, Bobby. Let's just close in prayer. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done. What even we're going to do? He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one says this, you shall not bear false witness, okay? That's called lying, okay? And if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar, okay? The, the, another commandment says you shall not steal, okay? Uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right,